Welcome to Bold Faith with Courage Molina, a place where you get empowered and equipped to be who God has called you to be, do what God has called you to do, and go after everything he said you can have without hesitation or apology. Let's go. All right, let's get into this week's sermon. Good morning. Good morning. I am Pastor Courage Molina of Bold Faith Community Church. We are an online church and it is our aim that every Christian in every household would be a minister of God's word, equipped to rightly interpret it and empowered to apply it in all seasons of life. Our mission is simple yet really powerful and it is to share the good news about Christ and guide you in the studying of the Bible for transformation so that you can experience God's best in every area of your life. Now, listen, if you are about that, you have come to the right place. Welcome as you come in. Be sure to let us know uh, where you are tuning in from. One of the questions you might have is like, okay, so if this is an online church, how do I become a member? It doesn't really feel like it doesn't really feel like I'm in the church. It feels like I just watch on YouTube. Well, here's what you do. Um, one, you show up on Saturday morning. We're here at 8 a.m. EST, or you watch the replay, but you get involved in the chat. When I say drop an emoji, drop an emoji. When you got something to amen, drop an amen. When you clap in, drop a clap. If it's fire, drop a fire, right? Like actually engage in the chat. That's one way that we um, engage in church because you could be in a building down the street and not really feel at home, you know? So get engaged in the chat. Say what's up. Let us know that you're watching. Even if you are watching the replay, let us know that this is the place that you call home. Um, the other thing that we do um, also here is, you know, we study our Bible every single week. Like that's a part of like, we are equipping ourselves. I say that's the mission. We're equipping ourselves. And so today I'm going to be coming from Acts chapter 25. Next week, I'm going to be coming from Acts chapter 26. So you would spend time this week dedicated to studying the same thing that we are studying as a community in preparation for the word that God has for me to bring to you from that same chapter. Uh, members also give where they eat, right? And so you can go to boldfaithchurch.org and pay your tithes or your offerings. You can set up reoccurring giving. You can be a partner to the ministry. There are lots of things that you can do there to help support the work that we do here. If you want to help um, be a part of what God is doing in and through this church, that's one thing that you um, can do. And if you go to church here, then you are you come to our community stuff. Right. So if we're in your city, if we are doing a Zoom immediately following the sermon, which we are, which usually is around 9 a.m. EST on Saturday morning. So getting in there, getting to know your brothers and sisters in Christ, those are the ways that you can call this place home and by serving. And you can go to boldfaithchurch.org so that you can find out how you can serve right here, even though we're online. Isn't that great? This is what I'm trying to tell you. The Lord has brought you here for a very, very good reason. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, I have another announcement. So listen, I know you see this thing going at the bottom. 
I'm gonna have that thing at the bottom every single time until there are no spots left and spots are filling up every single week. Somebody takes the step to register for the Faith Ignited Retreat in 2024. Uh, do you know there used to be a time that I did not plan ahead? It's very, it's kind of dark actually, but I'm gonna share it because I'm here anyway. There used to be a time where I didn't plan ahead. I felt like I didn't want to plan too far in the future because anything could happen. But what I was really saying was that I could die or something tragic could happen. And then I would have planned ahead and that somehow that makes me foolish. But um, believing that God is going to give us life and that things are going to work out according to like our heart's desires. That's not foolish, friends. That's faith. So although the retreat is not until July of 2024, actually, it's the 12th through the 15th. You can go ahead and by faith say, I know that God's going to meet me there. I know that God's going to have something for me. I don't even know who I'm going to be in July 12, July 12th of 2024. But whoever she or she, because it's a woman's, it's a woman's retreat. Sorry, fellas. Um, whoever she is, the Lord is going to have something for her right at that moment. You can go ahead and register. There's only going to be, uh, there are only 30 spots available. We just want to keep it kind of small. Um, intimate so that we can connect it is a powerful life-changing transforming i will never be the same type of weekend so go ahead get all your information and register at boldfaithchurch.org now i think that is i think i have told you uh, everything now <laughs> um for the past few weeks we've been talking about being in the middle and as i prepared this week <laughs> For this week, I mean, I was thinking, I told y'all last week, like, it feels like a series. Guess what? It still feels like a series. <laughs> you know, I'm going to share with you. Uh, I'm going to share from chapter 25. So you can go ahead. Let me put that up there for you. You can go ahead. I'm going to be reading through Acts chapter 25 from the NIV. Go ahead and get your Bible, grab it, pull it out, get your paper and your notes and stuff. Get ready to take notes. You ever got a word from God and you know it's from God and it's great and it's wonderful, but you kind of don't want it. <laughs> like drop a heart if you can relate. Like, okay, I got a word from God and I know it's from him and I know he's working things out for my good, but I wish the word that I got was a different word, right? Because it seems like we're still in the middle. This is the in the middle series, okay? Um, what it looks like in the middle, how to stay in the middle, how to be encouraged in the middle, how not to give up. I mean, we still in the middle, friends. Anybody, since we started what is turning out to be a series, has anybody, anybody still in the middle? Just show a hands, put a little a heart or a hand up, emoji, baby. I'm still in the middle and it's not necessarily fun, but it's getting easier. I feel like a grown up and I feel like a, I feel like a spiritual grown up. Um, like I've made some, um, some improvements. Like I've grown up, I've matured some, 
Because I feel like it takes a real mature and grown person to wait and not complain, to wait and and trust God, to be in the middle and to not lose faith. And so the longer that we're here waiting, it is building character in us and it is removing the things that make us more like the world and less like Christ. You understand? There are some things that are being peeled off of us while we're waiting. It seems like nothing is happening. It seems like the world is standing still, but it is not. There is something happening, even if it's not happening on the outside of you. If you are leaned into what God is saying week in and week out, every time you get into your word and you are responding with obedience, baby, something is definitely happening on the inside. Something is happening on the inside. So let's get into it. Um, X chapter 25 and we are with our brother Paul we understand it oh let me give you a little background I've been trying to get in it y'all so uh, what? where are we now so we're this is right before his trial chapter 25 is where Paul starts his trial uh, with Festus Festus is the new governor Felix is out he's been fired um, and or he's going to be fired if, I think he was fired at the end of the last one yeah Felix was succeeded by Festus yeah so Felix is out Festus is in it's been two years that Paul has been in prison for something that he didn't do that everybody knows he didn't do that there's no question about it but the people who are in charge don't actually want to make a decision. They're trying to keep the peace. They want favors. They want to be bribed. And God is using this time that Paul is in, you know, prison and all this, all of these opposition as an opportunity for Paul to be able to give a testimony about Christ over and over and over again. And so now finally, Paul has been sitting at this, in this prison for two years waiting for somebody to try him. And I mean by trial, right? Waiting, waiting for there to be a trial, waiting for him to be freed, maybe even at some point saying, just, you know what, it's fine. Y'all ain't got to let me out. Just go ahead, kill me. Maybe, maybe Paul doesn't respond that way. But certainly there's been a time in my life where I have responded that way, where things just took so long. And I'm like, you know what? I know I was praying for a breakthrough, but just forget the breakthrough. Just Help me to come to terms. Help me to accept this. Okay, God, I know I've been praying for healing. Oh, I don't know who that's for. I God, I know I've been praying for healing. But God, you know what? Just forget about that prayer. I know. Just forget about that. It's been two years since I was diagnosed with whatever. And I've been struggling with this for two years. So you know what? Just forget about that healing and just help me to accept that this is my portion of life. Anybody been, you know, then gave up and asked the Lord. You think it makes you a super saint that you're asking the Lord to help you you know, accept the fact that he hasn't answered this prayer. You know, God, I know I've been praying for my kids, but just God, help me to accept the choices that they've made in life. God, you know, I know I've been praying about you blessing the work of my hands and about you increasing my territory and growing my platform. I know I've been praying about that, but I've been at this for some time. So God, you know what? Just forget that. Just help me to help me to get okay with settling, Lord. Help me to just be okay with the state of my marriage, God. God, help me just to be okay with the state of my bank account. God, just, you know, it's fine, God. I know I've been asking you to help me overcome depression and anxiety. I know I've been asking you to heal me from that, but I've been dealing with this for a long time, half my life, three years, 13 years, 10 years, 15 years. And you know, you haven't done it. So God, just, just help me to manage this illness. 
anybody been in the middle for so long, you're now just asking God to help you to accept the fact that he's not going to answer your prayers. Girl, if you don't throw that out, let's throw that out right now. Because I know I've been praying for a husband, but I've been single for a long time. I haven't had a meaningful relationship in a long time. And so I'm single. I ain't got no kids. My biological clock is ticking. And so just help me to be okay with being single and tell me what kind of pets I should start getting. Is that anybody? God, I know I've been doing this. I've been at this for a long time trying to grow this church. I mean, we've been at it for some years now. And so, you know, just help me to get okay with the fact that we're going to just sit around about 25 uh, 25 or so members. Just help me to get okay with that. God, I know I've been asking you to, you know, anybody there? Anybody, no, y'all ain't never waited that long that you just said, forget it, just help me to settle. Well, maybe that's just me. But I, I know that the Lord has not called us to settle. So let's get in this word and see what encouragement he has for those of us that are still waiting on the Lord. Chapter 25, NIV, the book of Acts. Three days after arriving in the province, Festus went up from Caesarea to Jerusalem, where the chief priests and the Jewish leaders appeared before him and presented the charges against Paul. They requested Festus as a favor to them to have Paul transferred to Jerusalem, for they were preparing an ambush to kill him along the way. Another ambush. Okay. Festus answered, Paul is being held at Caesarea, and I myself am going there soon. Let some of your leaders come with me, and if the man has done anything wrong, they can press charges against him there. After spending about eight or ten days with them, Festus went down to Caesarea. The next day, he convened the court and ordered, ordered that Paul be brought before him. When Paul came in, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him. They brought many serious charges against them, but they could not prove them. Then Paul made his defense. I have done nothing wrong against the Jewish law or against the temple or against Caesar. Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, said to Paul, are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and stand trial before me there on these charges? Paul answered, I am now standing before Caesar's court where I ought to be tried. I have not done any wrong to the Jews, as you yourself know very well. If, however, I am guilty of doing anything deserving death, I do not refuse to die. But if the charges brought against me by these Jews are not true, no one has the right to hand me over to them. I appeal to Caesar. After Festus had conferred with his counsel, he declared, you have appealed to Caesar, to Caesar you will go. A few days later, King Agrippa and Bernice arrived at Caesarea to pay their respects to Festus. Since they were spending many days there, Festus discussed Paul's case with the king. He said, there is a man here whom Felix left as a prisoner. When I went to Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews brought charges against them and asked that he be condemned. I told them that it is not the Roman custom to hand over anyone before they have faced their accusers and have had an opportunity to defend themselves against the charges. When they came here with me, I did not delay the case, but convened the court the next day and ordered the man to be brought in. When his accusers got up to speak, they did not charge him with any of the crimes I had expected. Instead, they had some points of dispute with him about their own religion and about a dead man named Jesus who Paul claimed was alive. 
I was at a loss how to investigate such matters, so I asked if he would be willing to go to Jerusalem and stand trial there on these charges. But when Paul made his appeal to be held over for the emperor's decision, I ordered him held until I could send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said to Festus, I would like to hear this man myself. He replied, tomorrow you will hear him. The next day, Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp and entered the audience room with the high-ranking military officers and the prominent men of the city. At the command of Festus, Paul was brought in. Festus said, King Agrippa, in all who are present with us, you see this man. The whole Jewish community has petitioned me about him in Jerusalem and here in Caesarea, shouting that he ought not to live any longer. I found he had done nothing deserving of death, but because he made his appeal to the emperor, I decided to send him to Rome. But I have found, but I have nothing definite to write to his majesty about him. Therefore, I have brought him before all of you, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that as a result of this investigation, I may have something to write. For I think it is unreasonable to send a prisoner on to Rome without specifying the charges against him. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. No, that's the next verse. So Paul motioned with his hands and began the fence. That's verse one of chapter 26. Let me not get ahead of myself, right? Amen. Amen. So, oh, this is a lot to unpack, but we're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. Um, so Festus is gone, or not Festus, Felix is gone. Festus is here. And three days after Felix is summoned back to Rome, he's fired his replacement. Festus arrives in the province and he goes to Jerusalem where the Jewish leaders approach him. So now this is new. Felix is out. They got this new guy coming in. The new guy comes into the province. And when he gets to the province, the first place that he goes to is Jerusalem. They go to him. They meet him. They petition him. They're requesting as a favor, do us a favor. And, you know, when you have been called to manage an area that is highly populated by Jews, right? If the Jews start to riot, if the Jews try to overthrow, you know, the area that they're in, any of those things if, where there's a large population, that's going to be trouble for the Roman official, okay? So that's why even though the Roman officials don't really care that much about what the Jews got going on, they still kind of want to be cool with them. They want them to be cool with them because they don't want the Jews to start no trouble because if the Jews start trouble, then it's over for the Roman official who's supposed to be like keeping the peace. So they want for um, Festus to do them a favor and have Paul brought to Jerusalem. This is their same old scheme as before. By the way, it's their same old scheme as before. They want to convince him to let, oh, you know, send him here to Jerusalem. And then they're going to kill him on the way. I don't know that Festus knows that, but he like, no, I'm not about to do that. Um, you know what? I'm getting ready to go to Caesarea, which is where he is. I'm going to be here for a few days. So I'm going to hang out with y'all. Why don't y'all come back with me when I go back, basically? So he stays there with them and then he returns to Caesarea. He is not like Felix dragging his feet. As soon as he gets to Caesarea... Boom, the next day, he is ready to start this trial. He's not wasting any time. 
Um, there are some very serious charges by the Jews being brought up against Paul, but they don't have any proof. And so once again, we see Paul defending himself, saying he's done nothing wrong against the Jews, the temple or the Roman government. And so Festus now, even though he doesn't really see a problem with what Paul has done, now he kind of wants to do a favor for them. So then he asked Paul, hey, would you be willing to do this for me in Jerusalem? Would you, really, would you be willing to be tried in Jerusalem? Paul was like, no, I would in front, in front. No, I'm already in Caesar's court. So we're not going to take a step back and let these people over here judge me. I'm already, I'm already presenting myself to Caesar's court. So if, if you can't figure it out, let me go to see, you ain't got no right to give me over to them. You ain't got no right to hand me over to them to take me back. I've already appealed to this level. So now I'm appealing to Caesar. So the man's like, well, I mean, he's a Roman citizen. Now that he has appealed to Caesar, you know, I, I, that's where you want to go. I'm going here to see. A few days later, before he could send him to Rome, a few days later, King Agrippa and Bernice, which it's not his wife. We'll get into that. Because I'm like, who is Bernice? Why didn't they call her by name? Are we supposed to know who she is? But I digress. Uh, it's really a healthy thing to while you're reading the Bible and you're writing your summary that if you have questions, like it's okay for you to get curious, like, okay, who is that? Okay, why does that matter? And start to keep notes of those questions. And um, that way you can find the answers as you continue to study the text. Okay. So King Agrippa and his, and let me just call this lady Bernice. And Bernice arrived to pay respects to Festus because he's just gotten to town. He's just taken his, um, he's just taken his seat, his new assignment. Like it's like he just moved into the governor's mansion. And so now the king is like, oh, let us go pay some respect to him. And since they plan to stay a while, Festus is telling them all about this stuff that um, he said them all about Paul. Like, you know, the Jews want me to send him to Jerusalem, but I haven't really decided if he's guilty. He doesn't really seem guilty. And these charges that they have against him, this man been in jail for two years, not really the type of charges I thought I was going to be looking at. It seems like it's not a real crime. It's just some type of disagreement about their religion and their beliefs and something about some dead guy, Jesus. They say he did, but Paul say he alive. And so now he's appealed to Caesar. So I decided I'm going ahead and send him to Caesar. And Agrippa's like, oh, this sounds so interesting. I would love to hear him. And so now Agrippa, the king, and Bernice, they come into this place with all this pomp and circumstance, which means they wearing all their regalia. They got all their men. They got all these other leaders coming in. Everybody's stunting, for lack of a better word. Um, and so... He brought Paul, he brings Paul in right now that the men are sitting there and King's there and all these people are there and they got all the rolled out the red carpet for the situation. Then he brings Paul in and he says that, you know, um, Paul had not been found guilty of anything, not anything that was worthy of death, but Paul appealed to Caesar. But before I can send him to Caesar, I need to tell, I need to be able to tell Caesar what his crime is. It doesn't make any sense for me to send him to Caesar and I don't really have like a charge. So he just been arrested and I'm gonna send him, but they don't know what the charges are. So since I really can't understand it, I'm gonna allow him to speak. And I hope that, you know, you guys, especially you King Agrippa, that you can help me to decipher really, you know, what his issue is. 
So that way I can, you know, that way I can determine. And so then that's where the chapter ends. Can we just take a look at these people? It's, it's so important before we get into the interpretation, like what does God say? Before we can get to Revelation, you got to know who these people are, right? Um, it's, it's, let me just tell you, it's like a reality TV show, okay? Festus. So Festus, he's not so bad. He's the Roman pro, pro curator, just means like he's in charge of Judea. He replaced Felix and he really, you know, he's kind of, he really, after this, like he really tries to restore some legal order, right? Which is why he's not just keeping Paul there for forever. He's getting right into the trial. So he really is trying to restore some order. Now he may not be great at it, but he's trying to restore some order. Now then King Agrippa II comes in. This is the son of Herod Agrippa. Who is in a he is in a romantic sexual relationship with Bernice, who is his sister. Okay, Drusilla is his sister too. So you can see it's a whole lot of just ugh, gross, grossness in this family tree, right? Drusilla is his sister too. That's the one that was married to of uh, to Felix. Bernice is the daughter of Herod Agrippa. She's also the sister. So these are siblings. Agrippa number two. This is the son. He's in a re relationship with his sister. So it's Agrippa the second, Bernice, Drusilla. They're all siblings. Drusilla, they clearly got some type of sexual sin going on because Drusilla, she was on her second husband. She didn't really even leave her husband that she got with Felix. And now you see Bernice is with her brother. Oh, so gross. And then we have Paul, which is funny. These are the people. Festus, King Agrippa, who's taking his sister around with him everywhere. Oh, so disgusting. These are the people that are sitting up, sitting themselves up <laughs> there, trying to judge Paul, who's been accused, who has defended himself time and time again, who has not been found guilty of any crime, who's been waiting for two years for a trial, and who is also a Roman citizen. This, they, these people right here about to judge Paul, please, laughable. It's just absolutely laughable, but <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. Now, I don't really think that I can relate to too many of these people, but I really like it's really important <laughs> for us to take a moment and just reflect. Right. I know it. I know you, you're not sleeping with your brother. You're not married to your brother. Um, you're not trying to win favor. Like you, I get it. Right. But just it's a good habit to just slow down and take a look at the people um there, there's some good qualities festivus didn't waste any time so maybe you're like festivus festivus that comes from seinfeld guys which is why i'm having a hard time saying his name his name is festus but festivus is on december 23rd if you watch seinfeld then you know all about it if you don't watch seinfeld <laughs> then you don't know good entertainment the man's name is not Festivus, it's Festus. Um, I like Festus, I like to get right to work. I kind of like to get, I don't want to be waiting. We've kind of been talking about that already for these last couple of weeks. Who wouldn't be waiting? Like, let's just go, let's get it done with, let's make a decision. Um, I do feel like, Paul, I know it's a little dramatic, 
I feel like I can relate to Paul. It's a little dramatic. It hasn't been two years that I've been in my situation. It hasn't been two years. Like, is that's just not, I haven't been in this season for two years. I haven't been sitting in a, I'm, one, I'm not in prison. Let's start there. Let's start right there. I'm not in prison. I can do whatever I want to do. So I get that it's a little dramatic, but when I think about who I relate to, I feel like I can relate to Paul because I'm in this holding pattern. I'm waiting. Now, certainly there are some things I've been waiting for a long time for, maybe longer than two years, but I ain't been in prison. Certainly there have been times and situations where I was on a job that felt like prison. There were seasons where my marriage felt like a prison. There were times where even the thing I thought I would love to do felt like a prison, but I haven't actually been in prison, right? But I can relate to Paul. How many of you can relate to Paul? You've just been waiting. You've been in this holding pattern. You've been in the middle. You've been praying for this marriage for 10 years, for things to change for 15 years. You've been praying about that addiction for a long time. You've been to rehab a thousand times. You have been trying to get out from under um, poverty, of the poverty's big, big old thumb just been crushing you and oppressing you. And you haven't been able to save money, right? You've been trying to get out from up under some things, get out of somebody's shadow for years. You've been trying to heal from the things that you experienced um, as a child. You've been trying to heal for, for years from, from depression and from anxiety. Um, you've been trying to heal from years, for years from the trauma that you experienced, right? Some of us have been at the, so we can relate to Paul. Maybe, maybe you can relate to Paul because I feel like I can relate to Paul. But here's the real problem that we see in the scripture is that there's not been a decision made. That's the real problem. It's not even that you have been here for a long time. It's that you don't know when it's going to end. There has not been a decision. Paul might be able to find comfort. You might be able to find comfort if you knew this is the date when it was going to be. It's going to take five years and then you're going to be done. It's, well, you actually, you're never going to overcome it. You're going to die in five years. Like, you might be able to take some comfort in knowing that the end was going to come whenever the end was coming. But guess what? The problem is ain't no decision been made by man. We already know what God's going to do. But we're in this holding pattern and there's not been any decision made. We can see that there's been no decision made in Paul's case after two years with Felix. The Jews still want to kill Paul. The enemy's still after him. And the people who are supposed to be making the decisions... They're not even really clear on what the problem is. I'm not even really sure how I would respond in this situation if I were Paul. I consider how I'm responding right now. Um, I'm getting, I feel like I'm getting better and better every single week, every week. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Getting better and better about sitting and waiting uh, while I'm waiting on God, while I'm waiting on the breakthrough, while I'm waiting on my blessings to come due, while I'm waiting on my freedom or whatever it is you're waiting on, your healing, how are you behaving? So just thinking like, I'm not really sure how I would respond. If I were Festus, I feel like I just would have been like, oh, he's okay. If he truly wanted to return order, I would like to think that I would have responded by just releasing him, you know? But how often have you had the opportunity to make a decision and you had analysis paralysis or all you did was that's what he's doing, right? That's a way we can relate to Festus. Festus, we just doing more and more research, hearing about it over and over. How many programs have you been in? How many articles have you read? How many books have you read? How many things have you done? And you still yet to make a decision. You still yet to decide 
you know, what you're going to do one way or the other. You know, I, I really think that in this section of scripture, Luke is showing the original audience, because you have to remember, this wasn't written to us. This was written, the book of Acts was written by Luke. So when you start thinking about the people that are involved in the section of the scripture, as you're looking at the context to help you rightly interpret the word, don't ignore the, the author, right? Who may not be present in the telling of the story, but he's present because he's the one who wrote the book of Acts. And so he wrote this book of Acts with the original audience in mind. And what he's showing them is that even after years without proof, the apostle Paul was kept in prison. And that even though there was no proof, the Jews didn't care about the truth. They still were so caught up in their anger and their hatred for Paul that they wanted to kill him. And it's showing that the Jewish leaders did have some influence with the Roman leaders that they were not using for the good of God's people. Okay. God is showing us and has showed us over and over. Like, I just feel like, honestly, I feel like today's siren is a repeat. I could put still waiting, repeat. That's what I feel like, because we can see the same thing about God here again, that God is a protector. He continued to protect Paul. Yes, there's a weapon that forms, but God is a protector and that his word will come to pass. They wanted to kill him in Caesarea two years ago. They wanted him to be transported from Caesarea to Jerusalem. They had a plot. God kept him because God's word will come to pass. Two years later, he's still been sitting in this prison. Now they got a new man in charge. They wanted to run that same play on him, bring him back to Jerusalem. There wasn't even anybody who came. There wasn't a nephew or a cousin or anybody that said, no, nah. just the Lord intervened in his sovereign way. And Festus was like, no, nah, I'm going to Caesarea. Y'all can come up. What can we say that God protected um, Paul there too, because God's word is going to come to pass. So what are some of the biblical principles that we can see? I feel like they're on repeat guys. And what would it look like if we applied these things to our life? I said it before and I'm going to say, we can, I said it before, I'm going to say it again. The enemy is persistent in his pursuit to steal, kill, and destroy. He is persistent. And if the devil is going to be persistent in his efforts to steal, to kill and destroy, then that means that you and I have to be persistent in our prayers. We have to be persistent in our fasting and praying. We have to be persistent in our running to God. If he's going to be persistent in his attack, we have to be persistent in getting under the wing of God. If he's going to continue to throw weapons at us, then we have to continue to take refuge in God. That's what it looks. Okay, the, I can see here that the devil is, the enemy is persistent. God is not giving us a revelation that the devil is persistent for no reason. He's saying, yeah, the devil ain't gonna stop, but don't you stop neither. 
That's why you can't stop praying. That's why you can't stop believing. That's why you can't stop pressing. That's why you can't stop praising. That's why you can't stop worshiping. That's why you can't stop resting. That's why you can't stop fasting. That's why you can't stop seeking because the enemy is going to continue to be persistent. He's going to continue to hit that same spot. That's why you can't stop covering your situation in prayer. It's why you can't stop being vigilant about the fact that the enemy is looking for a way to get in because the devil is persistent. And if you recognize that he's persistent, it means that we have to be persistent as well. We can see that God will protect his people. No matter what the enemy tries to do, God continues to protect his people. And if you can get in your mind, I mean, we've seen this, this chapter, the chapter before, the chapter before that, right? That God protects his people. We've seen all throughout the book of Acts how God has continued to protect Paul. And if you can get that in your mind, it means that it can free you from worrying. I don't have to worry about the weapons that are forming because my God protects me. And if you understand who God is and the power that he possesses, that he is king of the fight, that he is the undefeated champion, then you will stop worrying about your bills being paid. But it doesn't matter what kind of recession we're in. God's the kingdom's economy never goes into procession. But if he's got to feed you by manna, you're going to get fed. If he's got to feed you by raven, you're going to eat. If he's got to drive in a wind to bring in some quail, guess what? You still going to eat. So if you understand that God protects and keep his own, then you should be able to rest well at night. Go to sleep, baby. Roll over, snore. Okay, I know I ain't got no money in the bank, but God protects me. He's not going to allow for hunger to take me out. I know that it doesn't look like, I know we haven't gone to counseling yet, but baby, God is going to keep my mind in the middle. He's going to protect us. I know. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you get that God protects his people, then you can stop worrying so much about some of the things that are coming after you. I don't have to be checking for my haters. For what? They, I don't need to check for them because God has got me. You don't need to check for your haters. You don't need to check for those, this cancel culture. You cannot cancel my calling, girl. Bye. Sir, Whose calling can you, you didn't make this call so you can't cancel this call and God protects me. So there's a protection. There's a covering over God's people. There's a covering over my house. There's a covering over my marriage. There's a covering over my family. There's a covering over all those that are connected to me. So baby, you can't cancel nothing. I don't need to be worried because God protects his people and I'm God's own. I'm a woman after God's own heart. I'm his child. I'm one of his favorites. I'm a special possession. Those are the things you got to start saying outside of your mouth. You didn't make the call, so you can't end the call, baby. You can't cancel the call in my life. You can't stop the anointing that's flowing. There's a protection. There's a covering. God covers his people. So now I can stop worrying, right? And God's protection comes in various forms. It may look like a part-time job. It may look like space when you felt like y'all needed to be more together. It may look like silence and solitude when you really want to be a part of the crowd, right? It might feel like isolation, but it's not isolation. It comes, God's protection comes in various forms. Festus is the one who was like, no, I'm not sending him to, to Jerusalem. And it wasn't because he prayed. He didn't pray about it. He don't know the Lord. He didn't talk to the Lord and say, oh, Lord, can you reveal to me if these Jews are trying to trick me? He didn't do that. It's not because he didn't want to do them a favor. 
God's protection comes through many different ways. It may not look like you thought it was going to look, okay? Opposition may be opportunities in disguise. I'm going to say that again. What we can see here, I mean, again and again and again, I mean, we just, I just, I feel like we on repeat. And as much as I would like to bring a new word, because it would mean that I'm also no longer in the middle, as much as I would like to bring a new revelation from the book of Acts, we looking at Acts 25, this is what the Holy Spirit gave us, baby, that opposition Maybe opportunities in disguise because our boy Paul is still not really getting his justice, but it's an opportunity for him to continue, right? They opposed him. He spoke. He defended himself. If they had let it go, Paul would not have had the opportunity to go to Rome. Do you hear me? Paul is going to be sent to Rome to testify in front of Caesar. If it had not been for the opposition of the Jews, even though they had no proof, Paul would not have gotten the opportunity. And so if you could get that in your mind, maybe you would start to look for opportunities in the opposition that you're facing. Maybe you would start to look for opportunities in the middle. Maybe you would start to seek out opportunities the wilderness in your wilderness season. Maybe you would start to look for opportunities as you approach the Red Sea. Like maybe I would start. This is an opportunity. I'm feeling some opposition. What is this an opportunity for? If you really got, if we, we, I ain't saying you, us, both of us, because God knows I need to get it. That opposition may be an opportunity. Um, I started this church um, as a Bible study in December of 2020. Women were calling me pastor. I didn't want to be called pastor. The truth is I didn't want to be called pastor because I felt so um, unqualified for it. And um, I had been looking before I got to starting the Bible study online. I had been really looking for an opportunity to join someone else's ministry. I didn't want to start my own ministry. I wanted to add value and be a leader at the place where I was going to church. Then I joined a launch team and I wanted to be a leader, right? I wanted to lead and share and teach um, for that ministry in that ministry, right? I wanted to be developed. I felt like God was calling me to lead. He gave me a word, he gave me a message and I wanted to do that. I knew that I had the ability to help that God had blessed me with a gift and a testimony that would help and set somebody else free. And I wanted to do that. I wanted to have the freedom and the authority to do that where I attended church. And then again, on the launch team that I was on, opposition. I did not find opportunity there. I didn't find opportunity where I was going and I didn't find opportunity where I was serving on lot sheep. I didn't find opportunity in any of those places. But that opposition, an opportunity for me to walk into what God always had for me. And that was revolutionizing what Bible study looks like for the believer on my on a platform that he was creating for me. 
in a church space that I couldn't have even imagined or prayed for. So I want you to take some time and to consider if you really get this principle that sometimes opposition is really opportunity in disguise and start looking at the areas where people are opposing you. Start looking at the areas where maybe you've been rejected or people are coming against you. It has positioned you, put you, made you right for what opportunity? There's an opportunity that you are ripe for. I want you, I read, I wrote this out. Um, I wrote this out. When I got to this, I would look for an opportunity. If I really got that, I would look for opportunities in my obstacles, oppositions, and problems. If I really understood that opposition may be an opportunity in disguise, then I would start to look for opportunities everywhere I felt like pushback, right? And so I wrote this sentence out, and you can write your own sentence. You can fill in the blank. This blank is an opportunity too, right? And so the thing that comes to the top of my mind every time right now is the separation. This separation is an opportunity to blank. This estrangement is an opportunity to what? This financial situation is an opportunity for me to get creative about how I do it. It's an opportunity. Like, what is it an opportunity for? And as I think right now, thank you, Holy Spirit, as I think right now over so many of the things that I have done, that I've accomplished, that God has blessed me to do, it's because there was a problem. <laughs> I couldn't do it any other way. I didn't have any money. And so since I didn't have no money, it was an opportunity for me to do it this other way. And because I've done it that other way, it has blessed me. It has blessed you, right? Like, do you understand what I'm saying? If you start thinking like, well, if that had never happened, then I, you know, that was really an opportunity for me to do this. It is a reminder. Once again, I've said it for the last three weeks. It's the truth that nothing is wasted when God is involved. Nothing is wasted when God is involved. Nothing. Maybe, maybe that's kind of the problem though, right, for you. Maybe the problem that you're facing right now is that you haven't involved God in your life. You are a good person. I got my air quotes up if you're listening to this on the podcast. Um you're a good person and, you know, all, all these things that we say. I don't know what other stuff we say, but we say all these things. But maybe you haven't involved God yet. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So if you haven't accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would love for you to repeat this prayer after me. Father, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe you raised him from the dead. I now accept him as my Lord and Savior. I accept the gift of salvation right now. Thank you, Father God, for forgiving me. Thank you for saving me and giving me eternal life with you. Amen. Listen, if you said it and you believe it, that settles it. Even if it doesn't feel like this big change has happened, your declaration by faith, has made you one with Christ, and I want to be one of the first to welcome you to the family. Welcome. Welcome, fam. Welcome. Now, listen, it might have been an individual decision, but it is not meant for you to walk this out alone. The word of God says, woe to the man who walks alone, because when he falls, this life, 
with Christ, this faith walk is not one that is um, void of any pain or struggle. And so you don't want to go through this alone. Send us an email, praise at boldfaithchurch.org. Let us know that you have said this prayer for the first time. We want to connect with you. We want to get some resources in your hand and uh, come alongside you as you start this walk. I pray that this has blessed you. If this has blessed you and you want to help us help this ministry to reach more people with messages just like this of salvation, of encouragement, helping people to stay the course and not give up on God, then you can go to boldfaithchurch.org and give your tithes and offering there. We could not do the work that we do without your generosity. Now, if you like this sermon, go ahead and like this sermon and then be sure to share it. Share this video on your social media, share it in your group text, your friend text, your cousin text, the auntie text, the family text, and then go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you get notified every time we're live. This is not just a YouTube channel, y'all. This is community. We are live in the chat Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. for Mornings in the Word, and then we're here Saturday morning for our sermons at 8 a.m. We're not done yet, though, right? Because after we live stream here, what do we do? We get together in community um, on the Zoom call. That's what we do. We get together in community on the Zoom call. And so, listen, if you don't see the link right there on the YouTube uh, chat thing right there, if you don't see it, there's a link for you to get into the Zoom. Men and women, you're welcome. If you don't see that, then you can go to boldfaithchurch.org. Maybe you're watching this at a time where it's it's not actually live, where we're not really here with you. Um, you can go to boldfaithchurch.org, boldfaithchurch.org. You can go there and um, get the Zoom links so that you can join us. You can introduce yourself. You can get to know us and allow us to get to know you. And we can do this thing called life with each other, which is exactly how God intended it. He intended it for us to be in community. How beautiful that we have technology that allows us to connect with beautiful brothers and sisters from all over the world. Absolutely love it. As always, thank you so much for being here. You could be any place else on a Saturday morning. I am so grateful. I do not take it lightly that you have decided to give your very limited and fleeting time to us here at Bold Faith Community Church that you would want to hang out with us and grow in your faith with us. That's really like a big deal. Like, oh, I love you. I'm so glad that you are here. Like, seriously, so glad that you are here. And I hope that you can join us in the Zoom. Uh, all right, I love you, and I'll see y'all in the group, okay? If this episode has blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else so that you too can be a blessing. If you'd like to connect with us and help us to do the work that God has called us to do, you can give at boldfaithchurch.org. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram at boldfaithchurch and connect with me at Courage Molina. Thanks so much. Be sure to catch the next episode right here.